Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, first of all, if you're watching us, I am not in some sort of a hostage room. I'm in a room out at the Washington's uh, practice facility. And anyways, go to YouTube, go to Empire Media, hit that like button, that subscribe button, again, Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. It would be much appreciated. Today, again, you and me, it's mini camp day two, so I wanted to give you my thoughts and observations about what I've seen and heard out at the facility. Let's start with a couple of things from yesterday. One, Logan Thomas, the tight end, said, of course, he's want, he wants to get back by week one. There's no guarantee of that. So he's not pushing. There's, this is not an all-in for week one situation. It is a, this is the desire, but they're not going to force it. I think the same thing is true with Chase Young. I've been told by people close to him, they like how he's been progressing, but nobody is sitting there saying, yes, automatically week one, he's going to be back. Because what they don't want to do is put that expectation on him. And then if it falls short, it leads to other questions. So it's more of a, it may be more of a bonus than a reality. I don't know yet. I think there's still more to learn on those injuries. Um, But Logan Thomas looked pretty good walking in. He's just walking in and he says the right things, but we don't know yet when he's going to be back. Chase Rouye, kind of the same thing. He said that he had three procedures done on his ankle to fix that. And so he said he feels good about training camp, but we don't know yet. I think there's still more to learn there, but again, progressing in the right direction. So we'll see. Um, Anyway, let's get on to what happened out there today and what happened in, in the press room. First of all, Warren Sapp, the great defense, former great defensive lineman, has been in Washington's practices the last couple of days working with the defensive lineman. It's hard to believe that Sapp could go unnoticed, but he kind of did until today when I think people realized he was here working with the D-lineman. This was something that was arranged with Martin Mayhew, the GM, who was a former teammate of Sapp's, and also assistant defensive line coach Jeff Signonia who was a teammate of his as well and, and has done this before when he was out in San Francisco. He brought Sapp out there, as did Mayhew. So this is not the first time they've done this, but what he's, you know, of course he's going to work on techniques a lot and all that. But what he's really hammered home, and one veteran told me, it's the mindset. That's the number one thing that some of these players are taking away from sweat is the mindset that it requires to be great. And as Sapp pointed out a few times, it's said, it's not what happens when everybody's out here. It's what happens when nobody's out there. Are you guys willing to go back out there and work on your own together to develop that chemistry that you need to become an effective defensive line? I think it's a good message for this group, given some of the chemistry issues they had last year, the lack of cohesion um, along the line during games, it was evident. And it was evident to the coaches, the players, and anybody watching the games. So that's one of the things he's harped on. But again, the mindset. I asked one player what he thought of him out there. He goes, yeah, techniques and all that. But it's the mindset. And I think he hammered that home. And he went from being a really good, great player in college to being a fantastic player in the NFL. So it's a good message for this group to hear. By the way, he loves what he sees with this defensive line, the tackles. He, he said that Payne and Allen were thick. Um, and he, he really likes what he sees out of Montez Sweat. One thing that Montez Sweat came up and talked to the media today, and one thing he said he's not going to do is sit there and boast about, or not boast, but predict what these guys might do as a tandem, meaning he and Chase Young, just go out there and play. I think that's a smart way to go. As soon as you start putting those kind of numbers on yourself, 
it often doesn't go well and it didn't go well last year. But I also wonder if some of that was an influence of SAP just coming in here and saying mindset. So there you go. Next thing is safety rotation. Um, Derek Forrest, and I think I told you the other day, has been working a lot with the as a third safety. I also like what they've seen from Jeremy Reeves and that he continues to grow as a player in the NFL. I think the thing that has always held Reeves back, he's not the biggest safety. He's always been a guy that I've liked watching play because I think he sometimes plays bigger than what he is. But as you hear from here, sometimes he does play to his size, and that's something that they're trying to get him out of. But they like what they've seen from him so far. And then there's also obviously Percy Butler. I think they, again, you know, you're always going to hear that somebody likes what they've seen. So take it for what it's worth. What you go by are actions. And right now, Butler is probably behind, is behind those two um, based on what, what I hear, based on what you see. Um, I think the question for Forrest is uh, how does he react? Um, does he play with, he plays with a certain abandon out there. And that, if you remember last week, the collision that Jeremy Reeves had with, with Deami Brown, I was told that Forrest has had a few of those because he's just kind of plays, I wouldn't say reckless, but I think it was a little bit like, you know, with, there's an abandon out there. So can he improve with that? We'll see. Um, but that, but he's looked good so far in pads or with no pads on, and we'll see where it goes. But he right now has been working as the first safety of the, or the first third safety, I guess, because McCain and Curl are the guys. By the way, there was one time, one of the things that I enjoy watching out here is the energy provided by defensive backs coach Chris Harris. And you see it like he loves to trash talk certain offensive players. There's one in particular that he's been going after on offense, but he also is very vocal and talking to his guys and there, and he's very much getting up. Listen, all these coaches need to be teachers. I think it's, 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 we see it a lot with Harris because he's very vocal out there. And there was one time with Forrest, for example, where there was a play that came his way and this Harris immediately pointed out, that's a play where you need to punch the ball out. You've got to punch that ball. And Forrest got it. He said, yeah, he kind of made a comment back to him about how he understood but that was the again teaching moment, and that's what that's what you're out here. For. Speaking of Montez Sweat, looks good. I think he always looks good in these settings. He looked he looked good in training camp last year. I think if you had to say, you know, I, so last year even during camp there were times like if you had to say which one looked better, he or Chase Young, Montez looked really good. And I saw him working as a stand up and a few times. Nothing unusual. Did it last year. Um, got by Cosby one time in that way. And then the next time he did that, Cosby was able to get him. Another time he gets around the tight end and he would have destroyed uh, Carson Wentz. Um, but, you know, I think he looks pretty good. And again, he said no bold statements this year. By the way, I'm not harping on this one, but he, somebody asked him about Jack Del Rio today because it's the first time that somebody had a chance to talk to him about it. And the only thing he said is whether or not he agrees with him politically or not, he said that Del Rio has always showed him love and respect. And that's why, and I told you this, that that's why I don't think there's going to be any issues. Anyway, moving on. Now, let's go to the linebackers because this is a hard group. I was trying to put together a 53-man roster projection and you know, you know that there's no depth there, but it's really hard to get beyond the first four. So you got Dave Davis and Holcomb, obvious. Then the next two would be Kalik Hudson, as well as David Mayo. And beyond that, it's a flip a coin. All right. It could be a guy like Trey Walker. Um, I think there's some, you know, he's a guy that I think you could maybe watch this summer as a guy, maybe as a fifth linebacker. But I also think they're still going to look at veteran linebackers on the market. Ron Rivera said this today. 
that, you know, they wanted to give a lot of these young guys a chance to show what they could do because with a veteran linebacker, they can come in and get acclimated a lot quicker. That suggest that suggests to me that also like some of the linebackers they look at would have experience in this system who would know what 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 to do. Um, so that's why they could wait until maybe July or August to sign them if that's what they wanted to do. So keep an eye there. One of those linebackers, Jamin Davis, told us yesterday how much more confident he is. And and I think you can see, you could see it even to be honest, talking to him at the podium, you could you could feel a guy who's a little bit more confident. And I asked somebody about that today and they said they absolutely can see the confidence that he's now playing with. Now, I'm going to caution and say he's not where they need him to be. And I don't know when he's going to get there. He's not going to go into the season being where they need him to be. But they do notice the confidence and guys play better when there's more confident, when they're more confident. When he was at Kentucky, it was it was a little bit different of what they're what they're being asked to do. The linemen are, you know, the linemen go attack and the linebackers play off it. Here he's got to read more. So I think that's something he had to get used to. They have worked him this spring. When they run their five one sets, five D linemen, one linebacker, they've used him in the one linebacker set. They've used him in some mic positions. He definitely is going to play outside, but he and he definitely said he feels more comfortable playing outside. But the fact that they're using him in some of those other sets suggests that they see a growing comfort level of him on the field. And when I watched him today, you see a guy who's able to maybe move a little, seem to react a little bit quicker on some runs where he gets himself in, he, he makes an instant move, gets himself in position and then attacks. So, and sometimes you, cause you've got to read the pass or run, but he's in position to then make a play. And I think there was one play where he, he was able to kind of quickly step up and slide, get stepped to his right, sees it's run and, is a, and then attacks the hole. And it would have been a short game assuming he makes a tackle. So, you know, again, not where he needs to be, but they do notice that, that he's that he's showing more confidence this spring than he was a year ago. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED, Bluetooth is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at Bluetooth.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's our special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KIME, to receive your first month free. All right, let's let me turn another page of notes. Um, Antonio Gandy Gold, playing tight end. Today, he made a really nice catch in the back of the end zone. Leapt up high, over Cam Curl, grabs a Carson Wentz pass. Just a terrific catch um, and a nice play there, down there. How is he progressing? Well, I think it's going to be interesting at that position because they moved him there because they felt like he could develop. So I think a big key for him will be just the progression he shows during August. Will he be able to earn a spot? Will he make it a hard decision? How many tight ends do you keep? Do you keep three? Do you keep four? Because that's going to make a difference. Then what, 
where is Logan Thomas at in this? Is he back for the season opener or is he going to be out for a few games to open the season? That too will make a difference how many they keep and or who they keep. I think they feel like he's got some potential. So if he shows anything, I think he's going to stick around. But sticking around could also mean practice squad. But I think they like what they have in that room. So he has to emerge. I mean, just what you hear now is not always how it plays out in August, not even close a lot of times. And I'll be honest, sometimes you hear things in early August that it takes a turn in a couple of weeks. I mean, last year, Peyton Barber was a lock to make the roster early in training camp. And then Jared Patterson started to emerge a little bit. And then a couple other guys started to emerge in other spots that made it tougher to, for them in their minds to keep him, whether it's a mistake or not, that's how it went. But he, the point is he was a lock before that happened. So, you know, we'll see what happens there, but I know that they like what they, how he's developed so far, what that means. I don't know. And I think another guy to watch here is Alex Arma not because he's going to be this great tight end, but he can also play fullback. That would also change a little bit of what they can run offensively and maybe enhance or make it a little bit more of a versatile offense if you can run some two-back sets with a, a guy who's more of a true fullback. Sometimes like you can use a tight end in that spot, but these tight ends are, are bigger. They're taller. So if you're running into a quote-unquote squatty linebacker, 6'1", 230 guy, are you able to get low enough to win that battle? Well, if you have a guy like Arma, you have a better chance. Will they keep him just for that? I don't know, but it's certainly going to be something to watch in training camp. Brian Robinson talked about him yesterday, like the forward lane. I, you hear good things when he runs the ball out here, praise for how he's running, where he's choosing to get the hole. One of the things that they wanted him to, or one of the things that was pointed out to him today from running backs coach Randy Jordan after a play was about the angles on the runs he takes and maybe when, when you should, keep it going straight versus hitting an angle to the outside. As Jordan told him, as he said, these are different athletes in the NFL. They can eat up that angle. So you need to go get your yards. So just, you know, he's got, that's where you're going to have to understand, like, when do you do that versus when you cut out? And I think, you know, along those lines, I think Antonio Gibson had to learn some of that more. So just get those yards versus trying to always bounce. I'll be curious to see how Gibson runs now that he's shaved, like I, I think I told you um, several weeks ago, that he went from 18% body fat to 12% body fat. And I know Sam Fortier from the Washington Post had a long article on, on, on Gibson's transformation in the offseason about his food and how he's lost the weight, et cetera. That, and so that combined with the work he did in Dallas at a training facility left him feeling pretty confident about how explosive he might be. But, the, but losing that weight can get them a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, which will help this running back court. All right, finally, Taylor Heineke. He's, he again spoke to us today, talking to the media. One of the things that he did this offseason, because what's the big knock on him? Arm strength. So one of the things he did for the first time, I'm a little bit surprised it was the first time, but he went out to California to work with a, a coach, Adam, I think it's Adam Dato. Um, who is a guy who has worked with Tom House, who is a guy that a lot of quarterbacks use. Tom House is a, used to be a pitching guru, guru and, and made his mark in, in baseball. But he took the mechanics from there and helped a lot of quarterbacks. Colt McCoy went to him. A lot of others have gone to him. And it's about the mechanics. So what Heineke wanted to go there is to talk, work with him on strengthening his arm. And the way he said that he can do that is little things, the hip and getting your hips more involved in your throat, um, getting, you know, Throwing, are you throwing off your front foot or your back foot? Because then it's going to make a difference as far as how much velocity you can put on the ball. So little things like that are what he was working on. I will say, you know, he, he it's funny because today I thought like Carson Wentz had some 
off-target throws and a couple drives was like, eh, not, not so great. I think Heineke had some of those drives through a deep ball that was picked off by Corn Elder. I don't know where he was going with the ball. And I did, it may not have been his fault. Maybe a receiver runs the wrong route. But he also threw, both of them also had some really nice throws um, as well. And I think there was one, it was a perfect ball to Mark and Michelle down the right side. I believe it was Corn Elder in coverage, just dropped a dime in there. And Cole Kelly had one like that to him as well. And it was a perfect throw. Now, maybe Reeves breaks it up. I don't know. And maybe he was, you know, but if that's one thing that's hard to tell. He did learn not to hit the guy, um, but it was a really nice ball by Heineke. And by the way, Mark and Michelle is the guy I told you that Chris, that when I was talking about Chris Harris, basically liking to trash talk, to talk trash to guys. It's been Mark and Michelle like that. For some reason, those two have been going at it and Harris was going at him big time yesterday. Um, very playful. And then today after Michelle caught that, caught that long ball, he started looking for Harris. He goes, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? And so it's, that's the kind of fun stuff that you like to see in practice because that's what kind of builds camaraderie, I think. And even though this guy might not even be on the roster, but I think Harris has an ability to do that. One of the things he does well with that, he does bring energy, and I think he does have a lot of fun out there. There's an example. Anyway, that's it for minicamp day two. Um, oh, actually, one more thing uh, on Terry McLaurin. Always something on Terry McLaurin. Ron Rivera talked today about how they feel like they certainly value him. He said they're not going to trade him. I knew that wasn't that was never going to happen, but they value him, and and um, I think they feel good about where this is headed. And I will say I've heard that as well, even just in different places. That I've always told you, I think there's there's a lot of optimism about this, and I do think that Terry not being here was a big deal, only in the sense that it let everybody know that he was dissatisfied with maybe the direction of where things were, or maybe not the direction, but but where it was at. So could that have sped things up? Maybe, um, but I still think they're going to get it done. And, you know, my optimism level, I think the other day I dropped it to a seven. I'm probably going to go back up to an eight out of 10 that, I, that they get this done. I just don't see that they can do anything but get it done. So I think everybody's going to be able to take a deep breath at some point. Um, if I had to guess before training camp, certainly. Now, what when, when then that timetable? I don't know. Could it be tonight? Who knows? You know, um, I, I don't I wouldn't be shocked at whenever the timing of this goes. Um, but I think the point is that there is optimism there, especially on this side. They clearly value him. They clearly know what he means to the organization. And I think it's just now it's just a matter of the contract reflecting that for McLaurin. And then we'll see. So but again, whatever you say about optimism, whatever I say, it still comes down to do you get it done or do you not? Actions louder than words. There you go. That's it for me. I'll be back on Thursday with a mini camp day three update. Talk to you next time.